Welcome to Tribe Talk, where we focus on the topics that will help you improve your mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. I'm Dr. Elena Villanueva, and helping people improve their mental health is my passion. I'm Ann Hutira, and nutrition is my passion. Together, we invite you to be a part of our tribe and learn how addressing the root causes of your symptoms can bring you improved health and wellness. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the next hour of Tribe Talk. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this latest edition of Tribe Talk. I'm Ann Hutera. I'll be hosting today. Dr. V is busy traveling, but she will be back with us for the next episode. Today, we have a really exciting guest that I want to introduce to you, Georgia Foster. She's coming to us all the way from Australia. She is a clinical hypnotherapist and a voice dialogue trainer who specializes in alcohol reduction, emotional overeating, self-esteem, anxiety, and fertility issues. Now, her unique and highly successful approach has helped tens of thousands of people learn how to feel better emotionally and physically. Now, Georgia is in Australia. Like I mentioned, she's been featured regularly on the media in Britain and Australia. She's had several online programs that we're going to get to and tell you about today, including Seven Days to Drink Less, Believing in You, emotional resilience training, and the weightless mind. Now, Georgia speaks regularly at conferences and networking events, as well as her own seminars in Australia, here in the US and the UK, about the power of the mind and how negative thinking is a habit that we can unlearn. Georgia, thank you so much for being with us today. We're so excited to have you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. We're really excited. Wonderful. So we're going to talk about a topic that I think um, is really, really important right now. And that is drinking and an emotional connection to alcohol. You know, with what we have happening, not just here in the United States and in Australia, but all over the world right now with uh, the pandemic and people being stuck at home uh, in lockdown still in a lot of cases, you know, here in the U.S., we've seen that the rates of drinking have drastically increased. Liquor sales are up in so many states across the U.S., and I'm sure in your part of the world as well. A lot of people are really turning to alcohol in this time, and that can turn into a very dangerous thing. And this is a topic that's really important to you. Tell us a little bit about your history and, and how you got into this field of work. Sure. Well, I, um, in my 20s, I'm 54 now, and so in my 20s, I had very low self-esteem. I felt very shy. Um, I was quite an anxious person. You know, on the surface, I was a real party girl. And, and when you're in your 20s, it's quite cool to get drunk and it's acceptable. And then I went to California and I trained in this amazing psychology, which really changed my life, which I'll share with you today. And, but when I learned this, I kind of still couldn't work out how I was going to integrate it because I wanted to find another tool. Then I went to London where I can, my grandmother's British, so I can work there, live there for, for forever. And I did for 22 years. Um, so I moved to London and I trained to be a clinical hypnotherapist. And then the college invited me back to teach in the university. So I taught hypnosis in the universities for quite a few years. And while I was there, 
I was actually training myself to hypnotize myself and using the combination of the psychology training in California and then interpreting it to my clients. And they were getting great results, but I was as well. And the one thing that really changed for me was that I knew that I was drinking to feel better. I knew I was drinking to feel calmer. I knew I was drinking because I thought I'd be more interesting or sexy or witty or whatever it was. So I decided I needed to take stock. And, um, and the, the funny thing was at the time, I just had a book published with HarperCollins. But what I really wanted to do was to write a book about drinking. And they were like about drinking less. And they were like, that is not gonna work, really not gonna work. So I decided to self-publish. And in those days, it was very uncool to self-publish. And with a little pot of money and a friend of mine said to me, you know, I'll support you if you need, need some financial stability with this. And I wrote the book um, and I printed it myself. I had all the editing done, etc. And fortunately, um, the gods were looking down on me. I had a couple of journalists who, who had actually been coming to see me at the drinking. And it turned out they were freelancers who worked for some of the big people in the media. And so within three months, that book sold out and Amazon and I did a deal with it. And what was really interesting about it was I opened a door to people really honestly looking at their drinking because I think the problem with drinking, it's taboo. You know, you can sit there with a packet of cookies and say I'm an emotional eater or I smoke too much or I'm addicted to exercise but it's very embarrassing to talk about drinking. So when I kind of opened up this can of worms, it was because I was on the ground. I, was, I had a clinic in London in the business district and I had a couple of corporate, the banks sending their clients to me and they were saying to me, Georgia, can you help me with my drinking? But I was saying, you know what, I think your drinking is secondary. You know, it's, I have a slogan, I say, it's what happens before you're drinking that's the problem. The thinking before the drinking. Because nobody wants to wake up with a hangover. Nobody wants to feel under par the next day. But the thing is that, you know, the mind works on habits. And so if your mind is emotionally conditioned to alcohol being your go-to space, then you would tend to default to that. And that's what my seven-day program is about. It's, it's about getting the fun drinking into a better space and being able to work on the drinking that causes you the grief and causes the embarrassment and to understand that there is a psychological um, relationship to alcohol. And that's what I work with. So that, you know, instead of saying, you know, you go to your doctor and your doctor says, oh, just cut back on your drinking. Um, that's easier said than done. And ironically, with a lot of people who go to the doctor and the doctor says, look, just cut back a couple of days, you know, they get anxious because they think, I can't do it. And then they think they're an alcoholic. And what I'm saying is, I think it's a very big demographic. And my audience I'm talking about, you know, they're, they're in their 40s and 50s, 60s, who are saying, it's not cool to get drunk anymore. I don't like getting drunk anymore. I don't like drinking too much. But they just don't know how to get out of it. So I kind of wanted to debunk the myths and the taboo and the, the seriousness. I mean, it is a serious issue, but I think a lot of us 
have nowhere to go, who don't want to quit. You, you make so many wonderful points there. I like the thinking before the drinking because I've never thought of it that way. And that's, I think a lot of people don't spend time thinking about why they're drinking in the first place. Yes, you can drink to celebrate something and have some fun and have a good time. But for those who have the habit of going for a drink or two every night after work or any time that they feel stressed or any time that they're feeling lonely, these are the habits that we create within ourselves. And over time, we don't notice that that's just a habit that we've created. And that can then turn into a bigger problem down the road. And I think a lot of people in today's age are dealing with this right now, being stuck at home, not having the opportunity to go out. Maybe they're single, maybe they live alone, they're lonely. They're turning to alcohol, would you say, in place of addressing a lot of the feelings and emotions that they have? Yes, I was only saying this to um, a client the other day. We're in a very unusual situation and emotionally. So I just, you know, the psychology I'm trained in um, is about we're all made up of many parts. It's a Jungian theory. And one of the parts that drives us to drink is the inner critic. And that inner critic voice, when we're quiet, when we're at home, when we're alone, it can creep in and it'll say, why haven't you done this in your life? You should have achieved this. Um, what's wrong with you? You're single. Um, you know, it, it, it creates such stress and anxiety. And the inner critic is the catalyst to drink. I mean, there are other personality traits, but this is the main one. And what has happened in lockdown, people aren't, well, they could be busy at home, but they're trapped in their own thinking. And it's not good. I mean, it's just not good for self-esteem. It's not good for anxiety. And the inner critic is the part that, you know, the neuroscientists call it, you know, the, the, um, the part of the brain, the reptilian part of the brain, where we need it for that. We need to be forewarned if there are bears around the corner that no longer are there. It's like, where's the money coming from? I miss my family. What's wrong? My friends aren't talking to me as much. Um, I'm feeling scared about life. I mean, these are all real, real true thinking moments that we are, you know, we're dipping in and dipping out of. But at the moment, what people don't realize is that when they drink alcohol, the inner critic goes away. The chemical reaction in the brain from the alcohol means that the inner critic goes away and people aren't getting hooked into the alcohol, they're getting hooked into the feelings. So I'm very much about getting the mind right so that the inner critic isn't attacking you, isn't infecting you. And in this particular lockdown situation, the increase in drinking is coming from that negative thinking. You know, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not in every home, of course. But and the, but the other thing is, it's not just that the, the inner critic; it's that well, I don't have to get up in the morning, I don't have to drive the next day. Um, I don't have to go to the gym. You know, a lot of this is also the fact of, well, you know, I, I have a bit of a joke, you know, is the quarantini party over? Because at some stage, we have to really think about how long do I want to keep drinking like this? You know, and I think, I think people are coming to that realisation now that, that 
this may be in some sense without sounding, you know, we've heard this many times before, what is the new normal? Well, we, we just have to honor that we have to then get our head in the right space that during this time when we are a bit distanced from the world, if we can focus on looking after health and well-being, use it as a space and opportunity to do something good for ourselves. You do, you do a lot of work also on, on self-esteem. Would you say that inner critic very closely connected to self-esteem? And then how do, you, how do you start to address that inner critic and kind of peel away those layers and see why that's there and where that's coming from? And how does that play a role in, in really taking a close look at your drinking and, and, and getting a handle on that? Well, I think a lot of people assume that we're born with self-esteem, but we're not. We have to learn it. And we have to learn it on a regular basis. And somebody could be really confident in their, their teens and their 20s, and all of a sudden their boyfriend says it's over, or maybe um, they've grown up with a critical parent, uh, maybe a, a distant parent. And, you know, I'm very much more progressive. I'm, I'm, I'm not... In, in, in how I work, I work more on the neuroplasticity side that the brain can change. So what I'm saying is that we, we, we may inherit anxieties, um, we may learn behaviors from our parents that aren't really ours. And we start to, if we are around critical people, we start to think what is wrong with us. And that's the inner critic saying, what could you have done better? Why do they not like you? And that person could just not be a very nice person. but we tend to default to what's wrong with us first. So I believe that we, you know, we all have an intuitive self and that intuitive self is, is the part that's listening to what we're talking about today. It's that little thing in the head that says, you know what, I want to understand a little bit more about this. I want to explore how to evolve. And, and everybody has that part. But the problem is when you've grown up with a strong inner critic, it's very difficult to feel any sense of, of um, hope sometimes because it can, you know, I mean, that's why a lot of people drink is they, they drink to run away from the inner critic. They don't know that. And then all of a sudden they become this happy, chilled out person. And I'm saying you can be that person before you drink, but you need to learn it. You need to practice it. And there's one particular, well, there's actually two particular um, personalities that can really encourage low self-esteem. And one of them is the perfectionist, which is the all or nothing that's either drinking lots or having lots of alcohol-free days or is really driven. I mean, perfectionists are very driven and very goal-centered. And they don't like being in the present. So often they would be binge eaters, be on a, on a crazy diet, and then they'll decide, right, that's it, that's it. And then go on this, you know, I'm going to, I can't cope with all this stress and strain. And then they're going to this binging zone. So they're kind of as well in that state. And a lot of this causes self-esteem issues because people don't feel safe. And when you don't feel safe in yourself, then you start to create behaviors, unwanted behaviors. So, you know, I think what we need to really I mean, as, I mean, inner critics develop from around the age of seven. I mean, I've got um, boys who are seven and I started my, my parenting later in life. But I can see it starts early. 
And what we need to be doing is, you know, I call it the grumpy monkey on the shoulder, you know, is that the grumpy monkey is that inner critic and we've got that healthy, happy heart. And we need to know that, um, that genuinely is that we're good the way we are, that we can be a charismatic person and have our, our vulnerabilities. We all are allowed to be vulnerable because it's part of extending our, our lives. But when we feel that our vulnerabilities are not warranted or not heard, then we start to use substances to make ourselves feel better. So self-esteem, you know, can be eroded. Um, and then we've got the pleaser, which is, the pleaser is very much wants to be loved and liked and can eat, you know, they, they will make one meal turn into 10 or they'll put themselves into a lot of debt to be liked and they can attract narcissistic people, critical people. So, you know, and when you want to be loved and liked, which we all do, we, we can tend to feel there's something wrong with us. And when I first trained in this psychology, and we're using this with hypnosis, you know, people were saying to me, I've been running around for 20 years not liking myself, but I thought that was normal. <laughs> um, no, it's not, well, it is normal if it becomes a habit, but it's a habit that you can change. And I like that you say that, that you bring that back around to habits. You do a lot of work with people, not only in your conferences, but in your online programs with um, mindset and negative thinking. Talk a little bit about negative thinking. Is that a habit that we get stuck in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that we are trained in a way to think the worst before the best, because if we prepare for the worst, like a good girl guide or boy scout, that will at least be prepared. And I'm thinking, you know, that's okay. But when you start to, that becomes your strongest way of thinking, then it's very difficult to feel positive about the future. And I think a lot at this point in time, you know, going back to where we are, um, a lot of people are worried about the future for all very good reasons but there is so much beyond our control and it's been proven time and time again that that when you actually are in an intuitive space where you honor that there are situations beyond your control but you become um and i mean this in a very positive way you become disconnected that you don't let the bad things infect you that you start to embrace good moments such as you know little top tips um put on your favorite song that makes you feel good about yourself you know start to read books that make you feel that life's okay um you've got to ignite that sense in your brain where there is that feeling of stability because negative thinking if you you know you've got two choices you can be in negative thinking or you can be positive thinking there's no right or wrong way. It just is what your mind is used to or what it's familiar with. So what I'm about is with my programs is hypnotically, we can train your mind to tune out of that inner critic and to tune into that authentic self that says, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen around the corner, but I just need to trust. I need to be in the moment a bit more and just to embrace the situation from a, uh, you know, I'm doing the best job I can. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one thing that we've seen with our clients over the past, 
you know, four months or so. During this pandemic, we've had a lot of our clients who are trying to heal and, and you know, boost their immune system and heal their bodies get stuck in this negative place where they're spending so much time watching the news and reading every article they can on social media and just seeing all of that negativity all day long gets people stuck in this place and then you see their healing start to slow down or maybe they take a few steps back and that's so connected to our health and our well-being and that's something that we try to tell all of our clients as well that having that mindset of being in a positive place is so important you know if someone is at home and and they're listening to this and they say you know what I think I, I might have been drinking a bit more during this whole pandemic. How, how do you, how does someone recognize when the drinking becomes a problem? Because when you and I were talking, you know, before we started the podcast, you said to me, you know, I'm not about telling people not to drink. It's about recognizing why and when you're drinking. How does someone begin to look at that for themselves and make that decision on if they think they have a problem? Mm. Well, a lot of the, the thinking about the drinking is in the home. So it does go, it, you know, statistically, we don't really know how much people are drinking in the home, you know. And, and for me, at this point in time, you know, I'm hearing, you know, Georgia, I'm starting earlier. Um, whereas before I wouldn't start until maybe six and now it's coming like five o'clock, that beer o'clock time or that, you know, cocktail hour. And, and really it's because... At this time, we, as I said, we, we've got a lot of thinking time. We're actually bored. A lot of this is boredom too. And so, but what we do know is that when we drink, obviously we feel better or we feel calmer. And so I would keep an emotional diary. Keep a diary for a week. What, what are you feeling? What's your inner critic saying to you? Is it saying, um, you know, I mean, a lot of people are saying I'm putting on weight, um, um, or it could be, you know, because a lot of people who are used to exercising a lot aren't getting those endorphins. And we know that with the, the pandemic that people are craving for being in nature and things like that. And, and so, you know, we are being very compromised emotionally. So my suggestion would be to really start to do some self-hypnosis. And self-hypnosis is not complicated. I mean, hypnosis is that lovely stage between being awake and asleep. It's a, a beautiful time. It's called the Alpha Theta time. And during that time, if you just, you know, close your eyes, lie on, the, lie on the sofa or hop back into bed and just put some lovely meditative music on and just imagine you going through your day and just feeling good about yourself. Imagine or bring in moments that inspire you because the more your brain when your eyes are closed will see those and feel those experiences as real and would take them on board. And it sounds really simple because it is simple. But a lot of people rehearse their day in their mind without even thinking about it from a negative space. What's going to happen today? What's going to be on the news today? And they're already in that fight or, you know, fight or flight mode. And what I'm saying is whatever is in the news today, we don't know. But what we do know is how we interpret it is what's really important. And then in the afternoon, when you're having that little sleepy moment, you know, after maybe having some lunch, is going and lying on the sofa 
and starting to do that same routine again, because the more you nurture yourself, the Dalai Lama says if everybody meditated for 25 minutes a day, the world would be in a better place. And it's so true. Hypnosis is meditation. And I think that we just need to stop thinking we have to be busy, busy, busy thinking the whole time. Because if your thinking is more on the negative side, then you need to look at how to shift that and to have that time just to relax, to think from a positive space, watch a funny movie, get those endorphins starting to pump through the oxytocin, the serotonin, all the tonins going so that you're in a better space. And my best advice would be don't watch the media all the time. Take some time out from it because the news is going to be there tomorrow. You know, we don't need to be listening to it. Like, you know, obviously we need to in terms of if there are any news about changes in lockdown or whatever it is, wherever you are, but we need to be honorable that this is a time we will get past this. We will be through this. And the more optimistic we are and the more faith we have, um, but that's got to come from within. Absolutely. I love your idea of doing the journal. I, I tell my own clients to keep a journal on, on food when we're trying to get you know, emotional eating and stress eating under control. And that's a great idea for doing that for drinking as well, because it may bring some things to your attention on why you're drinking and exactly how much you're, you're drinking and, and give you that big picture look at exactly, you know, what, what you're doing when you're at home. So you've created this online program, um, Seven Days to Drink Less. Tell us about that. What, what, how does that work and what does it entail? Well, when I was living in London, a lot of people, I wrote a book, um, as, as, as you know, and then a lot of people were saying to me, but I really want to, I want to meet you. I want to understand more about you, but I can't travel to London. So it got me thinking that maybe I could create a program that was like what I would do in my seminar, but obviously it would be a long training to be sitting there in front of a computer. So I just broke it down into bite sizes. And so the seven-day program is really the, the, the seminar that people would come and meet me in person. And over the seven days, we talk about neuroplasticity, um, which I'm, I absolutely love. And the good news is that statement that you can't teach an old dog new tricks is unfounded. You know, there will be some people who genuinely need to quit drinking, um, but there is a very big middle ground of drinkers who just need to get their emotional conditioning about alcohol into a better space. So that's what I talk about on day one. And then I go through the different personality traits um, through the, each, each day there's a talk about the different things I want that person to achieve. And then along the seven days, there are hypnotic recordings that people can listen to, to get themselves into the right mind space. And the good news is I'm not saying, you know, people say, Georgia, do I need to quit for seven days? I'm like, no, no, no. You know, it's a bit like, you know, if you came to see me about a fear of flying, if you didn't get on the plane, how would you know it was working? You know, I want you, you can choose not to drink, of course, but I think you need to see and trust that your brain can change. So it's a really positive, forward thinking. As I said, you know, I believe that, that a lot of our thinking about our drinking is our history. And in a lot of these websites that you go on, say, 
if you think about drinking before nine o'clock in the morning, you've got a drinking problem. But I'm saying you've got a thinking problem, you've got an anxiety problem. Because if you were in a calm space, you wouldn't be thinking about drinking, you know? Um, if you were in an intuitive place, you think, oh, well, I'll have a drink later on in the day, you know, when it's time to drink and just forget that thought. So really part of it is about, and there's also the, you know, which a lot of people forget about is that a lot of this drinking is pure habit. For example, you're chopping the vegetables and you're doing kids homework or you're at the computer and you think, hmm, where did that half bottle of wine go? You think, oh my God, I drank it, you know? So a lot of what I'm saying is, you know, the curiousness of it is, how did I get from here to there? And where did that wine go? Is just pure habit. It's not complicated. There's no emotional conditioning. And a lot of people say to me, you know, what I love about it is the drinking, I'm tasting it now. And part of it is, you know, a lot of um, people say to me, I didn't realize I was drinking really bad wine, you know, and I'm much more discerning about my drinking now. Um, I realize that, that I don't need that extra sneaky drink before I go out socially because I feel more confident. And these are the lovely things we talk about is that social anxiety is a big problem for a lot of people. You know, moms at the school gates saying to me, oh, you know, I can't do the coffee mornings, but I'll do the glass of wine after school. And, you know, these are all the things, it's, it's, it's working with that inner critic. And through the seven days, it's about building that intuitive self, that natural, sober, charismatic person that can handle their own without having to have alcohol. So that when they do drink, they're not drinking to become calmer, sexier, more intuitive, whatever, working from that space. And so it's a very uplifting program it's private so that nobody needs to know what what you're doing as well which is great you know that's what i love about it you don't have to go into therapy you don't have to go into a group thing you know this is about your time for you and i love that it's seven days and that it's online that's perfect for what we're going through you know in today's day and age where a lot of people are stuck at home anyway and like you said they might be bored and this is something great for them to direct their attention to, spend some time working on their self. You have many other online programs, correct? Yeah, sorry. No worries. I know you have a whole list of, of other programs as well. Talk a little bit about um, what the different programs are. Pardon? Can you hear you me? There? Yes. Can yeah, you I can yeah. Okay, wonderful. So tell us a little bit about the other programs, because you have several other online programs as well. Kind of go through and tell us a little bit about uh, what all the different programs are. Yeah, sure. Well, I have a program called the Emotional Resilience Training, which is um, amazing for people who don't have an issue with alcohol, um, who generally have an, an issue with negative thinking, that inner critic, you know, makes them feel really vulnerable. Um, and, and I think what we need to, to honor is that anxiety, once again, can be learned. We often think that we've got to be in this space to be prepared, but it's been proven that when you're in an intuitive space, that you actually make better decisions, you feel calmer, you feel better. And the emotional resilience has a section that my sister does is the breathing, because when we're anxious, we shallow breathe. And when we're in that situation, what happens is we 
panic. We feel, we, we feel trapped. Um, so what I love about it, the emotional resilience training is about honoring that our, our thinking, our coping strategies may not be working for us as well as they could be. And it's, once again, there's hypnosis in there, there's a psychology in there, um, and the breathing techniques come from the Kundalini theory about, you know, that with your breath, you can change your physicality. You can actually switch your chemicals from being anxious based to calm. And that's within three minutes so that you don't have to be physically fit to do it either. You can be sitting in a chair, but these breathing techniques uh, have been scientifically proven to calm the central nervous system down. So it's, it's kind of, you know, there's a, there's a ongoing strategy, but there's also an instant, let get myself into this great space right now with the breath techniques, which is they're fantastic. Wonderful. And then we have the, the, um, the weightless mind is something that, you know, is very personal to me as well, because when I'm, when I think about my history, because I had a drink issue and a food issue, had a bit of a double whammy. And, you know, it, it comes down to the inner critic again, is we, we eat because we're anxious or we're fearful. And a lot, of, a lot of emotional eating is once again done secretly. So a lot of people are bulimic and, and they may look good on the outside, but they're secretly bringing up their food. Um, so, you know, I really feel that everybody deserves to like themselves. And all of the programs, the self-esteem program, Believing in You, is for people who want to just understand how to like themselves. You don't have to like yourself all of the time. We all have our moments where that inner critic, you know, is in our head. But starting to honour that feeling better about you is really key. And, and it's a habit. At the end of the day, it's a habit. And I have a motto. And, the, the, you know, it's, it's really the courage that you bring to your life that makes that huge difference. And that courage to say, you know what, I want to feel better about myself is all that you need, you know, and it just takes practice. You know, self-esteem is something, it's like learning a language. And the more it becomes familiar, the more it just becomes who we are. And, you know, it's such a pleasure to see people because it's, and I'm not being critical of long-term therapy. I'm not critical of that. Some people like that. But by the time people come to my programs, they're sick of themselves. They're tired of the thinking. They just want to move on. And hypnosis and this particular psychology, the combination is just a brilliant, quick tool to get you into a better space. Wonderful. I, I, I know there are a lot of people listening who would find a lot of value in your programs, especially when it comes to working on self and building that self-esteem. I think, especially for women, a lot of us, it takes us getting into our 40s and above before we start learning how to really value ourselves and, and build that self-esteem. And, and so wonderful programs that you have. We are going to put the links to your website where people can go access your programs. We're going to put that on our website. If uh, you're listening and you're not on our mailing list, you'll want to go to our website, modernholistichealth.com. Get on our mailing list. We are going to send out the links for you on how to uh, get in contact with Georgia, go to her website and access all of her programs. Georgia, we appreciate you being here today. You have such an important message. It's so timely. 
And I know people listening have really got a lot of value from what you've had to say today. So we really, really appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. If anybody's got any questions, please let me know. Wonderful. And, and to all of you listening, thank you again for joining us for Tribe Talk and we'll see you next time.